Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom. You know, truth be told, when it comes to the mitzvot, the commandments of Baltakif and Baltashchit, I was never terribly punctilious in my observance. It's not that I didn't know about the commandments. Of course I did. They're spelled out pretty explicitly in this week's Torah reading and last week's, thou shalt not shave smooth the side of your face or cut the corners of your beard. These verses serve as a foundation for the Jewish legal prohibition of using a razor to shave or cutting the corners of one's facial hair. For a Jew who observes these commandments, one basically faces a choice of either letting one beard grow or using an electric shaver. Why? Because an electric shaver is understood to function as clippers and not as a razor. Aware as I may have been of the prohibition, proud as I am of being Jewish, ever since I began to shave, I was perfectly happy using my disposable Gillettes. For me, for God, and for the relationship between us, this commandment was simply not a mitzvah whose correct observance loomed large, if at all, in my Jewish identity. The first time I actually did give the mitzvah, any real thought was in the early 90s when, as I was contemplating entering rabbinical school, I decided to spend a summer in London of intensive Jewish study with my uncle of blessed memory, Rabbi Eli Cashton, my late grandmother's brother, a man known to me and my entire family as Uncle Yiddle. Apart from being a wonderful human being and an avid tennis fan, Uncle Yiddle was one of the great Torah scholars of his era, a teacher to generations of teacher, a translator of the Sonsino Talmud, a man of whom it can be said that in his later years he forgot more Torah than most anyone else learns in their lifetime. Uncle Yiddle was all these things, and not surprisingly, he was a very, very observant Jew. When he welcomed me warmly into his home, he did so on the condition that as long as I was under his roof, I would live according to his rules, a caveat which meant, among other things, no shaving with a razor. But no worries, he said, this man in his 90s. He had a selection of excellent electric shavers I could use. To this day, I still remember him opening the drawer of Remingtons and Schicks and Phillips that he had accumulated over his lifetime. And so the next morning, I woke up to shave, and I nearly decapitated myself with one of his circa 1950 shavers. I tried another with the same result, and another, and another, and eventually, fed up, I just took out my Gillette to shave as I normally do, and I'll never forget Uncle Yiddle greeting me that morning as I came down to breakfast Wow, he said, look at that great shave, he beamed. A shave like that only from an electric razor. 
I smiled warmly, deciding that discretion was a better part of valor. And that summer, Uncle Yiddle and I developed a very, very close relationship. And as for his rules, every morning, I took out an electric shaver. I let it run on the countertop for a few minutes so he could hear, <laughs> all the while enjoying a peaceful shave with my Gillette. Uncle Yiddle, may he rest in peace, never knew the story, a story which now, decades after his passing, I'm sharing with you, my congregation. This morning, this Shabbos, I want to speak to you about mitzvot, the rituals, observances, and commandments that bind us as a people, the spiritual architecture, the vocabulary of deeds by which the Jewish people are connected with each other, with God, and across the generations. There are many entry points to a discussion on mitzvot, the reasons for them, the differences between them, the methods by which the rabbis derive them, or the degree to which that process continues to this day. Today, I want to ask a very specific question, the question of whether it matters for us, for God, and for the relationship between, does it matter if we're punctilious, precise, and exacting in our observance of mitzvot. In Hebrew, if we are medatek, vigilant in following the dikduk, literally the grammar of the commandments. Does God care? Do we care if we are medatek in mitzvot? Or is it okay to cut corners, literally and figuratively, depending on our mood and inclination? Because if there is any Torah reading to have this discussion, this week is the one. The heart of Leviticus, Torah Kohanim, the laws of the priesthood, the limitations and restrictions, the pure and the impure, the sacred and profane, the fixed times and offerings by which the ancient Israelite constituted their community, their calendar, differentiated themselves from others, and stood in relation to God. Our Torah reading is filled with all sorts of laws, but more than any one or the other, the grooming of facial hair or the specific observance of a festival, it's the ethic implicit and explicit stated throughout. Details matter. Precision matters. Timing matters. It's an ethic at the core not only of our Torah reading, but of Judaism itself. The dietary regulations surrounding our recently celebrated festival of Passover, what makes a lulav or etrog kosher? What are the precise dimensions of a sukkah? How much sunlight should or shouldn't be allowed to get in? We don't live in a biblical world of sacrifices, but be it how we pray, how we count the omer, how we prepare and consume food, the exacting nature of Jewish observance has been passed down through the generations. The attention to the minutia, the emphasis on every detail from our very beginnings, Judaism has held fast to the belief that there are particular ways to form particular rituals. It's a posture that's not self-evident. Not every religion operates this way. I remember being forwarded a funny email a few years ago, maybe you were too, about what Christmas would look like if it were a Jewish holiday. The debates over whether the size or the color of a tree pine needle can render it unkosher, the precise placement of the ornaments, what blemishes on the leaves are or aren't unacceptable, and of course, what to do should Christmas fall on Shabbos. To be a Jew is to be about the details one must lean into, or more precisely, leap into a cultural form of OCD. 
Not just that there's a right and a wrong way, but that it matters. It really, really matters that a mitzvah is performed in the right way. The observation that Judaism calls on us to be medaktek, precise in our performance of mitzvot, is not terribly new. But it is a mindset that runs contrary to the spirit of our age. How often do we say to each other and to ourselves that it's really just the thought that counts? Spiritual uplift, we say, is not a top-down affair, but it comes from within. And these hair-splitting debates over observance are obstacles, not enablers to spiritual living. What really matters, we say, is that we lit the candles. Not that they were lit at this time or that time. Who actually cares if we say this word but not that one, bow here but not there, shave this way but not that way. I get the gist of it and frankly, I can't bring myself to believe that the good Lord above is actually counting the time between me eating meat and me eating milk. A few years ago, a friend shared with me her dilemma, prompted by the realization that her children's spring break fell during Passover, the week that the family was looking forward to a long anticipated visit to Italy, pizza, pasta, and all. She went on to share with great pride how she had resolved the problem. She decided to shift the entire observance of Passover, Seder's included, to the week before. So by the time she got to Italy, Passover was over. Problem solved. She could have her matzah and eat pasta too. And while we may giggle at my friend, we all know that each one of us in our own ways make accommodations and justify shortcuts by way of our internal sensibilities. We're, after all, we tell ourselves the good guys. We're doing our best. We try to live ethically, responsibly, charitably. We mend the world. God knows there are plenty of observant Jews who don't do that. Isn't that what God really wants from us? To do justice, to seek kindness, and walk humbly before the Lord? The answer to the question of whether Judaism is about exacting observance or just good intentions, it's not a simple one. Judaism can't be reduced to one or the other law or spirit. It's a dialectic between the two, a tension between commandment and autonomy, between tradition and innovation. Years ago, when I would teach the subject in Hebrew school, I would adopt the metaphor of basketball. I began the discussion by asking the kids to share the specifications of basketball, the diameter of the basketball, the 10-foot rim, the five players per team, and so on and so forth. At that point, I would ask the kids, if the game could still be called basketball, if we dropped the basket from 10 feet to 7 feet, would it, I asked, still be basketball if we played three-on-three instead of five-on-five? What if the game was played on only half the court instead of the full court? What if, through the hoop, we threw a football instead of a basketball? You get the idea. At what point, be it basketball or Judaism, does something stop being the very thing we claim it to be? You don't have to be Orthodox. You don't actually have to even be Jewish to recognize the importance of attention to detail when it comes to the spiritual substance of our lives. Why we sing, take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning, but not the fifth. Why we eat turkey on Thanksgiving, but not chicken. Why college graduates move their tassels from the right to the left, but not the left to the right. It's not uncommon for me to officiate at a wedding or a funeral of a self-proclaimed atheist who has a militant insistence on ritual precision. It'll be different for all of us. And I have no doubt 
that everyone can think of some sphere of your life in which you believe that there is a way for it to be done, a power and purpose to the position, even when, and maybe especially when, that precise meaning exists beyond the realm of words and reason. My question for you is whether you're willing to let Judaism be one of those spheres. And yes, while there's always a risk that excessive attention to ritual detail will result in losing the forest from the trees, that our Judaism will devolve into a rote religious behaviorism, you and I both know that the challenge for our community is how to take Jewish observance more, not less seriously. Our challenge, in the words of Rabbi Nathan Cardoza, is how to see Jewish law as a musical symphony in which all students see opportunities to discover their inner selves. For some, the observance of mitzvot provides a person with a cosmic orientation, the lens by which a Jew sees the extraordinary in the ordinary and stands in covenant with God. For others, mitzvot must be observed with great care because they're the sacred vessels, the delicate cultural heirlooms by which tradition is pristinely passed from one generation to the next. For some, mitzvot are the tools by which an individual Jew connects to their community and Jewish communities around the world. For others, mitzvot are a deeply personal and private spiritual regimen. For some, the power of mitzvot lies in submitting one's will to the will of God. For others, the power of mitzvot lies in the bold assertion of one's will in the face of a world seeking conformity. There are all sorts of reasons why one might see power in the careful observance of mitzvot. My reasons might be different than yours, and all our reasons today may be different than they will be tomorrow. It takes time, it takes curiosity and patience, and it takes faith to live a life of mitzvot the combination of inspiration and perspiration by which life, as Heschel wrote, can be lived as a work of art. Friends, ours is a sacred time in the Jewish calendar. The freedoms of Passover are behind us and the receiving of the law yet remains on the horizon. Each one of us, myself included, must see ourselves on a forward spiritual journey We are all capable of spiritual growth. Tomorrow can be different than today. Our not yets need not linger any longer. The grammar of Jewish living awaits to be spoken. Day by day, step by step, mitzvah by mitzvah, let's journey together, learn together, do together, drawing closer and closer to the covenant of our people the covenant of Mount Sinai. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.